Good morning. There's a lot of you guys here today. (laughs) It's good. Praise the Lord. Well, as Pastor Rick said, my name is Josh Hagen. Uh, I have the privilege, uh, the blessing, really a huge blessing of getting to lead the youth group here. And uh, it's it's a great uh, position to be in. And I thank the Lord so much every week that I get to uh, be here and teach them and, and really hang out with them. So I I'm so grateful for the Lord and to the Lord for putting me here. But I'm used to teaching verse by verse and chapter by chapter, so I know exactly where I'm going to be teaching. <laughs> um, but when Pastor asked me, I'm like, oh, I don't know where to teach. Um, I get, I don't know, I've been praying for weeks, uh, asking the Lord, hey, like, God, what, what is it that you want me to share? What is it that you want me to, what is it that the church needs to hear? And I really had a hard time coming up with a topic. Um, and currently, uh, in the youth group, I've been teaching through the book of Romans. I just started chapter 12 uh, a couple weeks ago, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to share this passage with you guys, and so I restudied it and repackaged it, if you will, for you guys, and so I'm going to share that, uh, these two verses with you guys today, um, hopefully, and I trust that God has something for each and every one of you guys. I just want to start by saying, though, that I am so proud of our youth uh, here at Calvary, especially those on the worship team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but not just them. Like Pastor Rick said, they're all over the building right now serving in ways you don't see. <laughs> and so I am so grateful for them and so proud of them. They serve on the weekly. They serve not just on their service Sunday, but they are always so quick to serve and help. So I'm so grateful for them. So good job, you guys, uh, especially you guys who are ushering. You guys did a good job. Um, but yeah, I entitled my message today, A Reasonable Service. And as you guys hear that, you guys probably know exactly where that's coming from. So we'll open up our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. If you need a Bible today, if you can raise your hand real high, our ushers will bring you a Bible uh, so you guys can have one. <clears throat> Sweet. Nice. Okay. Well, I will read from the Bible. If you guys will stand with me in honor of God's word, we'll be in Romans chapter 12. We'll read verses 1 and 2. (coughs) Excuse me. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful, Lord, for who you are, for the very fact that we get to gather here today to, to worship you, Lord, as you're worthy of it, Lord, and to study your word. Lord, we are so grateful that we get to do that, Lord. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be here today with us and teach us, Lord. Speak through me, I pray. Lord, I trust that you have something special for each and every person in this room. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys uh, can say hi to someone, uh, and then you may have a seat. All right. You guys might have heard this story before, but there was a pig and there was a chicken. <laughs> and they were walking down the street and they saw a church with a sign that said, hey, we're going to have a potluck style breakfast. And so the pig being a servant, right, he was like, hey, chicken, let's make something for the breakfast. Let's, uh, let's provide something. Let's be a part. And the chicken's like, dude, that's a great idea. I have an idea. I have a great idea. Let's give, uh, let's bring bacon and eggs. And the pig's like, what? Bacon and eggs? You know, for you to give eggs, that's just a donation. It's so easy for you. But for me to bring bacon, <laughs> I have to like, that's a whole other thing. Right? That's a whole commitment for me. It's a silly story. <laughs> I promise it'll tie into the message. But that, that's exactly what God is calling us to do, to, to give our everything. Not just something, not just a part of us, not just a half-hearted donation, but he's asking for our everything today 
and for the rest of our lives, right, to give ourselves as a living sacrifice, as Paul says here. I draw your attention uh, to the text. Notice how Paul says, I beseech you. We don't really use the word beseech these days. I, I've never used it myself. Uh, only, I've only read it in this passage, but I've never used it. I, I don't know if any of you guys use that word. Some translations will translate this word as begging or appeal, right? I appeal to you. The actual word, if you look at the original word, is parakaleo, and para means besides, and kaleo means to be called, right? And so, really, Paul is saying here, <clears throat> he's calling alongside, right? Hey, come, come on and come with me and join me in this endeavor of giving my life right, and your life to the Lord, it's a great example, even just from that first word, right, of how Paul leads by example. And Paul was able to say, hey, come join me as I do this. Come join me as I sacrifice to the Lord. Come join me as I live for the Lord. Right? He wasn't just telling us or the Romans to just do something that he himself wasn't doing, right? He wasn't saying, hey, you guys give up everything for the Lord and live your lives for the Lord as I while I'm just living for myself. No, that, that's not how he did things. He led by example. And so for us today, we must be practicing these things that we're going to be learning ourselves so that we can, we can go alongside now and say to people, hey, come along with me. Come join me as I do these things for the Lord. Right, we need to put these things into practice so that you can invite people to do it with you. Of course, as we read on, we see the word therefore. As you read the book of Romans, uh, you're going to encounter 25 therefores. Right? And each of them are powerful, and, and they lead to several actions uh, or conclusions. Right? So if you look at, um, you don't have to turn there, but chapter 2, verse 1 is the therefore of condemnation. Right? Paul says that therefore, you are inexcusable. We're guilty. And there's no question about that. There's no debate about that argument, we, we are guilty. We've sinned. In chapter 5, we see the therefore of justification. Right? Paul says, therefore, verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're made right by faith, right by his actions. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, we see the therefore of assurance. Right? Therefore, there is Excuse me, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a good conclusion. <laughs> I like that conclusion. Right? It gives us assurance. It helps us uh, to, to go on with our lives, to know that God doesn't condemn us. He only forgives us, right? And here we are in chapter 12, the therefore of dedication and consecration, to give our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Paul adds to this, therefore, by the mercies of God. Right, he's been thinking about the mercies of God throughout the 11 chapters, throughout this book. Again, as good Bible students, you guys all know this, when we see the word therefore, we need to go back a little bit to understand the context and what Paul really is talking about here. And so let's see what Paul's talking about in the previous chapter. In chapter 11, Paul, he talks about um, us being grafted into God's family or his olive tree adopting us, if you will, into his, to his family, right? And look at what Paul was saying just a couple of verses ago uh, in chapter 11. If you will flip your page or just move to chapter 11, verse 30 and 32. He says, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so, these also have, you, have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Right? He's been thinking and talking about God's mercy here. And chapter 12 is just a continuation. The same idea, the same thought is there. That's why he says, therefore, by the mercies of God, right? To the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about God's mercy. All over the place in the Bible, we see God's mercy displayed. You see it in 2 Corinthians 1.3, right? Paul is saying, Blessed be the God of Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That's our God, God of mercy. We serve a God who is merciful and knowing that it should and will bring us comfort. Psalms 6, 1 through 2, David is crying out to the Lord, right? Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, right? nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. Right? David is able to cry out to the Lord for his mercy because he knows that his God, right, our God, is a merciful God. And we see God's loving kindness and his greatness and his mercy here in this in what we just read. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his companions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's steadfast love never ceases. It never goes away. It never runs out. It's the same with his, his mercy. His mercy never ends. It's new every morning for us. See, the truth is we can never outdo or out-sin God's grace. God's grace is so big, and it covers a multitude of sin, the Bible says. It covers everything. It covers our mistakes, our sins, our failures, our past. And there are so many examples of God's mercy in our lives as well, right? Being made alive when we were dead in sin, God brought us into life being brought into light when we were lost in darkness, walking blindly. God brought us into the light. As we read in the previous chapter, being adopted into God's family, that's God's mercy. The hope of heaven, the saving grace, or or the sustaining grace, right? His presence that's real to us. When we cry out to God, he hears us. That's all God's mercy, God's mercy is all over the place. It's all around us. And if we're unable to see that, we need to wake up. We need to realize that God's mercy is all around us. The very fact that we're alive and able to come here this morning uh, to have fellowship and to study his word and to worship him, that's God's mercy. So as Paul says, therefore, he, he has God's mercy in his mind knowing that God's mercy is present with us, right? knowing that God is merciful, um, it helps us to trust in him. And the reason, the importance of trusting in him, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But in order to do what this verse is telling us to do, right, to, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice um, and later on to be transformed, in order to do these things, we need to have complete trust in God, We need to completely trust the one that we're giving our bodies up to, knowing that he's going to take care of us. He's going to, he he means well. He has our best in his interest, right? I think one of the biggest things that stops us from giving up our bodies as a living sacrifice is the fact that we cannot give up control, right? As, As people, as humans, we love to have control over things. We need to take control. We need to have control, right? James tells us in James 4 that there's a war within us, right? There's, there's a battle going on. Like we need to, we're trying to take control, we're trying to let it go, right? There's a battle. And as humans, we try to protect our bodies. That's normal. <laughs> it's an instinct, right? Giving up our bodies as, completely, as a complete sacrifice is not natural for us. It goes against our nature. And it takes trust. Trust in the one that we're giving up our bodies to. It takes trusting God in order to do these things that we're studying. And understanding that the one you're giving up your body to, right, God, is a merciful God, helps us do that. So as we study these passages today, keep in mind God's mercy. Maybe he's shown you mercy in your life. Remember those things and just keep in mind his mercy as we do these things because we cannot do it without his mercy. Because we know that when we give up our lives to God, when we give total control, and we, as he directs us and drives us, if we will, right, he's never going to drive us off a cliff. We know that he's not going to lose focus on the wheel and crash into a wall or a tree. When we give up control, when we give the steering wheel of our lives to the Lord, he will take us where it's best for us. 
he's going to take us where he wants to take us, and that's, that's best. And I can say that confidently because I believe that God is a merciful, gracious God who loves me no matter what. If I give my life to him, he will take care of me. And it's the same for you. See, he wants the best for us. He wants the best for you. And it's a lie to think that God wants to just take you, take your life and, and ruin it or give you a, you know, struggle or, I don't know, painful life. God wants to give you a good life. He wants us to do well. You guys all know the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts or plans that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. He has a, he has a life planned out. He knows what he wants to do in you and through you. Now all we have to do is give our lives to him so that we can live his plan. If we never give up control, if we try to take control of our lives, we may never get there because we're getting in our way. Another thing we need to realize that, is that we have been purchased by God. Right? 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us that, it says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God. We are not our own. Right? God bought us with the blood of Jesus. He paid the price, and we are his. And we, need to, we need to be like Paul who said in Philippians 1.20, right? Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ will be magnified. God deserves our bodies, you guys. God deserves our everything. And honestly, it's easy to give up money, uh, time, and other things compared when we compare it to giving up our lives, compared to giving up our bodies, Giving up those things is way easier. Because giving up our bodies, that's, that's all of us. There's nothing left. You give everything to the Lord. For him to use, for him to, you know, impact people through. You're all in. There's no holding back. Everything, it's all for the Lord. Right? That's what it means to give your life to him, give your bodies to him. And that's how Christ can be magnified in our bodies, whether by life or by death, as Paul just said. Going back to the text, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You might be wondering, what in the world does it mean to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? How is that possible? How can you have a sacrifice without killing or without it? there being death involved. How can you have sacrifice? Right? God is asking for us to give him his, our will here, right? to give him our desires every day. A, a willing sacrifice, Paul says. Right? Again, motivated by the mercies of God, we cannot forget the mercies of God here. He is asking us to give up our will and our desires. There are various types of offerings we see in the Bible and different sacrifices um, there's the burnt offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, trespass. I mean, there's, the list goes on. When Paul says sacrifice here, he's talking about the burnt offering. Right, with peace offerings, you get something back, right? You, you offer an animal to, for the Lord, and then you cook it, and then you, you get a piece back, and you eat it. It's almost like you're having barbecue with the Lord, right? You're, you're having fellowship with him. You're enjoying the meal with the Lord. And that's what a peace offering is. You hang out with the Lord with some food. Right, burnt offering was different, though. Burnt offering, nothing was saved. Right? You put on an animal on the altar and you burn it until nothing is left. Skin, bone, organs, meat, I mean, everything burned down to ashes. It's all for the Lord. You get nothing back. That's what a burnt offering was. Total consecration. Everything for the Lord. To be a living sacrifice means to give God our will, our desires, holding nothing back and giving him our everything. Dying to ourselves, our desires. A willing, consecrated sacrifice. The thought of it is wild, right? To, to think to sacrifice yourself is wild. To willingly do that. But isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? He willingly 
went to the cross. He willingly died for us. And he calls us to do the same. The least we can do after what Jesus did for us, the least we can do is to use our gifts, our talents, our skills, and give it completely to God for him to use. The least we can do is to let go and and let God take control. God wants all of our lives, not not just parts of it. Right? You saying, okay, God, you can have my Sundays, right? But, but the rest of the days are mine, right? Monday through Friday, Saturday, they're mine. And Sundays, I'll live for you, God. That, it's not how it works. That's not giving up your body as a living sacrifice. He doesn't want some Sunday saints but Saturday sinners. Right? He wants us to give our everything. Even when you're outside of church, when you're at home, work. To be a living sacrifice is not a lifestyle um, that's worldly, but is decorated with Christianity. That's not how it works. It has to be completely different from the world. Too many people are living a lifestyle that doesn't please the Lord, right? A worldly lifestyle while putting on a Christianity mask at church, and, and you fool a lot of people. I, we can fool a lot of people. You can fool everyone, but you can never fool the Lord. He sees right through that mask. I remember what God told Samuel, the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He knows. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what our true motives are. He knows if we're giving our everything to be a living sacrifice. He knows. Just like Cain and Abel, God knew which offering actually came from the heart. God knew which offering was good. He accepted one and he denied the other. Why then does God want us to sacrifice? Didn't Jesus already sacrifice himself? Didn't he already pay the ransom? Didn't he already die so that we don't have to? Yes, right? Yes, he did. But the thing is, God loves it when we sacrifice to him. And because it shows true love, it shows trust, Sacrifice shows true commitment and devotion. And when we give to the Lord, it shows what's inside of our hearts, right? It's an outward expression of what's happening on the inside. Maybe you have realized this in your life, uh, as I have, that God loves to work when we sacrifice to him, when we, when we sacrifice things for him. I think about all the times in the Bible where someone gave something up for the Lord, even if it was something little. Right? The little boy with five loaves and two fish came to Jesus and said, hey, this is all I have. You have thousands of people. This is all I have. What did Jesus do? He fed thousands of people that day using that. The little boy's sacrifice. David was little. He had his little stones in his sling, and God slayed a giant with him. And Peter offered his boat, and God right, gave him a huge catch. The widow offers her last bit of oil, her flour, and God allows it to never run out. Hannah offers her son, and he becomes the great Samuel. Right? I mean, the list goes on. The examples can go on. Maybe you've experienced it in your own life, where you've sacrificed for the Lord something that meant you know, something valuable for you. And he, in return, blesses you abundantly. Maybe you sacrifice some resources, sacrifice time, possibly, energy. Maybe you serve someone when you didn't feel like doing it. Maybe you loved on someone who's <laughs> a little bit hard to love on. Maybe you worshiped God even when you just didn't feel like it, right? Lord, I don't feel like it, but, but I'm going to worship you. When you give, even if it's little, God will multiply it beyond our imagine, our imagination. He can, he can multiply it above and beyond that. He can do so much with us. We just need to be like Samuel and say, here I am, use me. Be willing for him to use you. Again, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice means to give God everything. It's important to do this as a Christian because Paul tells us in Romans 6 that our bodies are sinful, right? It's, our, it's in our nature to sin. 
unfortunately. And so when we, when we try to direct our lives, right, when we try to navigate our own lives and try to take control of the steering wheel of our lives, we will go straight into a sinful direction because that's where our body takes us. That's where our body wants to be. And so it's so important for us to give up the control, give it up to the Lord. But here's the catch. We cannot become backseat drivers. Who in here are backseat drivers? <laughs> you know who you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? You gave your life to the Lord? Good, great. You gave the steering wheel to the Lord? Good. Now we just need to sit in, in the passenger seat and let him do his thing. Right? Don't try to drive from the passenger seat. Don't try to drive from the back seat. Don't be a backseat driver. Oh, God, why are you going so slow? You should speed up. God, why are you slowing down here? Speed up. Or why are you going so fast? Slow down. You should switch lanes. Let's go this direction. Why are you on the highway? Go on here. It's fast if you go this way. It's safe if you... Like, we do that all the time with the Lord, don't we? <laughs> you get the idea. We try to take control even after we give the control to the Lord. I just imagine God, you know, driving, right, and looking at me. Do you want to drive? <laughs> Are you going to let me drive or what? Josh, remember the last time you drove? You drove off the cliff? You drove into that tree? You drove into that wall? Remember the last time I let you drive and you let your emotions drive where it led you? Or when you let that crowd that you hang out with all the time drive, look where he took you. Guys, when we drive, we drive straight into disaster because that's where our bodies, that's where they go. It's, by nature, it's sinful. When God drives, he takes us on the safe path. He directs our lives and he protects us. He knows better than we do. He knows which lanes are better. He knows what he's doing. God wants to drive and let you feel safe on the passenger seat and have fellowship with him. I know that there are certain people in here who don't like to let other people drive them. I have a certain people. There's a few people that I you know, wouldn't trust my life with in a car. <laughs> but God, is a, he's a good driver. He knows what he's doing. Right? We don't have to stress out. We can just you know, recline our seat a little bit, relax, and just enjoy our company with the Lord. Doesn't that sound so much better than stressing out on the wheel, hoping you don't crash? It's much better than that, to just sit in the passenger seat, let God do his thing, let him drive, let him direct, let him go where he wants to go, and just sit back, chill, and, and Conversate, talk with him and hang out with him and see where he takes you, right? As he says, hey, look at the view, man. Oh, it's so nice. You get to actually enjoy where he takes you. Holy and acceptable to God. The word acceptable here is the word ua restos, and it literally means well-pleasing, right? Did you know that your life can please the Lord? When we give ourselves to him, when we give our bodies as a living sacrifice, it pleases him. It makes him happy. Over and over again in the Bible, it says that the sacrifice will be a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Have you ever been home after a, or, you know, on your way back to your house, you're, um, you park your car, you get out, and then you're hungry from a full day's work, right, and you smell your neighbor's food, oh, right, and maybe they're barbecuing, oh, man, and you smell that goodness, and you're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's what it's like when we sacrifice to the Lord. He says, hmm, that's nice. He smells it, he sees it, he loves it. It blows me away that the creator of everything, it blows me away that God sees us and says, wow. It blows me away. Look at how they gave themselves to me. Right? Look at how they trust in me. Look at how they responded to my love. Look at how they trust and believe in my grace. How amazing that is, right? God says, that's nice. It brings him pleasure when we do those things. It makes him happy. 
If you please the Lord, I don't think there's any greater joy than that, right? I don't think there's any greater joy than God being happy about you. I think the greatest joy any existing person will ever be able to experience is us standing in front of the Lord and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. I think that's, if I, when I hear that, oh man, that's the greatest joy. <laughs> we get to look forward to that as we practice these things. We get to look forward to that. As we present our bodies as a living sacrifice for the Lord to use freely, we can trust that God is pleased with that. And we want to please the Lord. Paul continues, which is your reasonable service? The word reasonable there is the word logikos, or logikos, and it's where we get our English word logical from. Right, so you can read that verse uh, like this, right? It's your logical service. It's reasonable. It's, it's rational. It's logical. It, it just makes sense to do so. To worship God and to serve him through sacrifice, it just makes sense. It fits. God has shown us mercy. Again, remember, mercy is the underlining theme here. God has shown us mercy and God has saved us from hell. God has adopted us into his family. The logical thing for us to do now, the reasonable thing for us to do now is to give our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. There are many ways to serve the Lord. Many ways, right? I think a huge way though nowadays is to just serve his people. If I can make a plug for our ministries at this church, we need your help. There are so many ministries here at Calvary, and we can't do it without your help. We need you guys, right? And for those of you guys who are faithfully serving week after week and giving your time, your energy, resources for, for the Lord, thank you so much. I, I'm serious. We cannot do it without you guys, and we're so blessed by you. Maybe you're in here today, and you're wondering how you can serve the Lord. How can I use my talents? How can I be you know, used by God. The opportunity is everywhere. It's countless. We have so many ministries here at Calvary Okinawa, and all of them can use some extra hands. I know specifically the children ministry, uh, we're losing some people, and some people are going to vacation this summer. We need more people to help watch and love on those kids, and, and that's, a, that's a great way for you to serve. opportunities all over us. It's everywhere. God has given us our giftings, our talents, our skills so that we can serve him, so that we can serve his people, not for our own good, not for our own selfish gain. It's for him. We won't get into it today, but the rest of this chapter, it talks about us using our spiritual giftings and the talents he's given us for him. And I encourage you after this to to go home and read it. It's such a good chapter, Romans 12. We might not have much to offer, or you might not think you have much to offer, but remember how much God did just in those examples I gave earlier, right? Those people didn't think they had much. They had a little bit, and they actually had a little bit, and God did amazing things with that. He can do so much in and through every one of you guys, and we just need to be like Samuel and say, here I am, use me. God, use me. Let's read verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul continues his thought here, right, and says not to be conformed to this world. People are followers, right? People like to fit in. People love to not stand out. We like to check the temperature and adapt, People, in many ways, can be like sheep, where they follow whoever, whatever is in front of them. Sheep do that, (laughs) and we can be the same way. Whatever is in front of us, whatever is fun, whatever is, you know, intriguing, you follow it, because that's where your attention is. Or following things just because everyone else is doing it, right? Making compromises in areas that you know you shouldn't make compromises in just so that you can fit in, just so that people don't make fun of you, just so that you don't look funny in front of people. 
A preacher once said, don't be a thermometer, but be a thermostat. Right? I agree completely. A, thermos, a thermometer, excuse me, checks the temperature around it, right? And then it adapts to it. And then it shows the temperature, right? Where a thermostat sets the temperature. It says, you know what? This is what the temperature is going to be. <laughs> so the question is, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Are you adapting or are you setting? And we need to stop adapting to everything everyone is doing. You guys, being tossed to and fro, like Paul said, we need to avoid that. And we need to stand out and stand our ground for Jesus and draw a line, right, saying, I'm not going to cross this line no matter what. I'm not going to step forward. I'm not going to make compromises in this area no matter what. No matter how much people make fun of me, no matter how funny people look at me, I'm not crossing this line. I'm not making any compromises. Guys, we cannot be a part of them. We cannot be a part of the world. Jesus himself said in John 17, 16, that we are not of the world as he's not of the world. Right? The Bible provokes us and tells us not to be followers, but be transformed, be different, be the new creation that God made you. And the word conformed here is the word schema, where we get our English word, you guessed it, scheme, right? Like we, the word is scheming to get you on their side. The word is scheming and plotting against you to get you on their side and, and be a part of them. The world, or, or Satan rather, has a plan, a plot for your life, and that is to destroy you. He doesn't have a good plan for you. The devil's behind it all. He is tempting you. He knows your weakness, and he's attacking those weaknesses. But we cannot conform to the world. See, what the world has to offer us might be fulfilling at the time, right? Might be fun, right? I tell the youth all the time, sin is fun. That's what we always do. If sin was not fun, we wouldn't sin, right? But sin is fun, and it's appealing, and that's why we fall into it. But there's no hope at the end of it. And there's, it, it leads to hell. That's where it leads. What God has to offer us is so much better. What he has to offer us is perfect, right? It's his perfect will for our lives. Let's choose that. I'm not going to do this, but if I were to pass out a piece of paper that, had, that said this, right? Um, my life is influenced more by, and there's two boxes. One says the world, and one says the word of God. And be honest, which would you check? Are you more influenced by the world, or are you more influenced by the word of God, by God? Which are you more influenced by? And we need to examine our lives right now. Who are we more worried to please? Are we worried about pleasing the world, or are we worried about pleasing the Lord? It can be really easy for us to be conformed to this world. It's what everyone else is doing. It's what our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, whoever is around you, that's what they're doing, a lot of them. It doesn't raise any flags. People don't look at you funny. People don't make fun of you because you're a part of them. But God doesn't call us to live a comfortable life, does he? He doesn't call us to go the easy way. God doesn't call us to fit in either. He said himself, the world is going to hate you because I'm in you. Right? Oh, that's comforting. The world's going to hate us. But Jesus himself, he said it, right? I've overcome the world. Be, of good, be, be at peace. Be of good cheer. We have to be different from the world, you guys. We have to let the word of God influence us, not the world. We cannot be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. Don't copy the world. Don't try to impress the world. Who cares what the world thinks? Now, I'm not talking about the trivial things. Right? I'm not talking about the surface things like style, like uh, your outfit style, your hairstyle. Those things, it's okay to follow the trend. I'm not saying you can't do those things. I'm not saying we all have to walk around in robes and sandals like Jesus did. That's a little bit weird nowadays. We, need, we do need to wear pants, and, right? But I'm talking about the deeper things here. Don't be a follower when it comes to what people believe is right and wrong. You guys, 
when it comes to those things, what's right and wrong, what's truth and false, the Bible is clear about that, and the Bible is where we get those answers from. Even if the world says abortion is right, we know it's wrong because the Bible says so. Right? Even if the world says that same-sex marriage is okay, it's, what, it's what's good, right? we know that that's not what God intended for marriage. Like, we know those things because the Bible tells us. And so don't be conformed into believing what they believe, into doing what they're doing, but, but make sure that the Bible is telling you what to do. Don't be conformed into thinking, believing, or acting as the world does. You've heard the saying, <clears throat> a dead fish can't, Excuse me, a dead fish can flow down, downstream, but it takes a live fish to swim upstream, right? It, it, anybody can fit in with the world. Anybody can do what they're doing. But it takes someone who's alive in the Lord to be different. It takes someone who's alive in the Lord to stand up and say, hey, I'm not going to do those things. And to sacrifice that, right? To sacrifice their lives for the Lord. It takes someone who's alive in the Lord to do that. The Bible is our standard. The Bible is where we get our answers, not the world. <clears throat> the world wants us to be brainwashed, right, and to follow whatever it, you know, wherever it takes you. But God wants our brain washed. He wants us to be cleansed from those things and be transformed. How then can we be transformed? How can we be transformed for the Lord? Obviously, uh, we need to pray and ask God to do a miraculous work in our minds and our hearts. I hope that goes without saying. We need to pray, 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 and ask God for help. But one of the things I wanted to list was that we, we need to meditate. And guys, I'm not talking about <laughs> meditation where you empty your minds, right, and hum. But I'm talking about filling your minds. Fill your minds with godly things. Let your mind dwell on things of God. Paul said in Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. We need to meditate on godly things. Read his word daily. Really think about it. Chew on it. Just think about it all day. Meditate on it. That's what it means. Meditate on godly things. Also, another thing, we need to commit ourselves to memorization. <laughs> we need to memorize scripture. It will cause us to think appropriately, think differently from the world, and to really know God in our minds and in our hearts. We can memorize song lyrics so easy, right? But, but we don't use the time to memorize scripture. And I'm guilty of this. And I was convicted as I was studying for this. I need to memorize scripture. It really changes us. When you know God's word in your mind and your heart, it changes you from the inside out. Let's make more of an effort to memorize scripture. I encourage you guys, uh, as I taught this to the youth a couple weeks ago, I, I was telling them uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is like our life manual, right? A lot of times when we buy things, we throw the manual away because we're too lazy to read it. But then later on, we're like, oh, where's the manual? I need this thing, right? This is our manual for our life. He tells us what to do. Memorize it so you have it in your heart what God wants you to do. Another way to help us transform is worship. When we worship God, it leads us into his presence. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Right? Worship helps us keep our minds on him because we're worshiping him, we're thinking about him. So guys, when you worship God, really think about how worthy he is of it, how much mercy he's shown you. How much grace he's showered on us, right? And, and really think about how worthy he is, and let's worship him together. Fellowship is another great way. By hanging out with fellow Christians, right? We read that iron sharpens iron, right? We need each other to grow, to correct each other when we're straying. God intended us to have fellowship, right? He didn't intend any of us to be a lone Christian ranger. Like, he, he doesn't want us to be alone. He, we need each other. That's why God, there's, there's church, there's, you know, fellowship. That's, what, that's super important. Come to our church events. Invite people to go eat with you. Invite people to your house. And enjoy doing things with them. That, that'll really help grow you and transform you. 
Just doing life with someone, with some other Christians, will help you grow. Right? I encourage you to make good friends who are not afraid of telling you when you're doing something wrong, who are willing to slap some sense into you. You wacko, you need to come back, right? We all need friends like that. I need friends like that. God can and will use fellow Christians to grow you and to transform you. So we need to be connected. We need to be plugged in. We need to be a part of the church. God will use trials to transform us. You think about getting in shape physically, right? You have to go through a lot of pain and, and endurance and resistance. It's the same spiritually. As we train spiritually, we need to go through some rigorous training. Our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Daily, we need to go through training, and at times it's hard, at times it's difficult, I know, but you're being transformed. It's a process. And so keep, you know, keep heart when you have trials, knowing that it's the Lord transforming you. Man, life is difficult, but you know that that's God working in you and transforming you into, to be more like Jesus, right? And finally, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need God's Spirit. If we try to be religious without the Holy Spirit, we're just going to become one of those Pharisees. The Holy Spirit who lives in us enables us to think differently from the world and to act differently and to love differently. It's the Holy Spirit's power that works in us, right? God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. It's our mind that has to be transformed. Remember the man that Jesus cast out the legion or the, the, you know, a lot of demons out of. The Bible tells us that he stood there in his right mind. Right? The spirit can give us the right mind. I draw your attention back to the text that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, you guys, by being transformed by the Lord, by allowing him to, to do a work in our hearts and our minds, we can prove that God has a good and acceptable and perfect will for our lives to the people around us. The word acceptable, again, it's the same word from before. It, it means well-pleasing, right? A will for our life that's perfect, good, and well-pleasing. That's what God has for us. Doesn't that sound good? Some people don't believe that God's will for us is good. They might say it's, it's good, and with, you know, they might say it with words, but they don't actually believe it. That's why one of the biggest questions is, what is God's will for my life? What does God have for me in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years? What is he going to be doing in my life, you know, down the road? But why do we need to know? Why do we need to know exactly what God has planned for us? If we submit to God Will he make me do something that I don't want to do? Right? Those are the questions we have, right? We say we're going to submit to the Lord, but in the back of our minds, we're afraid that he's going to make us do something that we don't want to do. And so we make sure, God, what is, what is it that you have for me? What's your plan for me? So that you can decide whether you're going to follow it or not. I think oftentimes God doesn't share with us his unique will in our lives because of that factor, because we might be tempted to run away and say, no, God, I, I can't do that. Right? 20 years from now, you're going to be doing this. And you're like, no. <laughs> That's why God gives us baby steps, right? One step at a time. Hey, do this. Go here. Guys, God can do so much in our lives than we think possible. And oftentimes our faith is too small that it's better for us just to not know what God's plan is for us and just trust that he has a good plan for us. Knowing that God is good and he has a perfect will for us should be enough for us to give our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. Knowing that, he's, knowing that our lives, our bodies are in good hands. He's not going to just, you know, throw us, throw us away. He, he cares about us. He's going to drive us where he wants to take us. By doing these things that we just learned in these two verses, we can prove that God has a plan for each, of, each one of us. 
right? Conformity happens from the outside in. When we become like the world, the change happens from the outside in. But when we're being transformed in the Lord, the change happens from the inside out, and people see it. People see that there's something different about you. People see that there's, you know, that they're not like you, that you're not like them. And it's evident, right, that God is working in you, that God is doing something in you. People can see it. And it's proof that God has a good plan for you. It's proof that God works. It's proof that God is alive. Man, I praise God that he wants to take, or he wants to use us. I praise God that he used broken people like us to do his amazing work. And I also am so grateful that he wants to take us through a transforming process which can take forever, right? Especially for those of us who are stubborn, right? No, God, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. He is patient. He's patiently working, right? And he's patiently changing and transforming us. And as we are being transformed, people see it. People see the result and people see God's goodness through your life. Two verses today, very powerful verses. I encourage you, memorize these verses. It's good. We need to remember God's mercy we need to daily give our will, right, to the Lord as a living sacrifice. And when we give God control of our lives, we need to just let go and don't become backseat drivers. Don't try to take back control. Just give, let, let him do it. Let, his, let him do his thing. It's logical for us to do that. It just makes sense. After all that he's done for us, let's, let's do our part. Don't be a follower of the world but be different. Be transformed by the Lord. And finally, let's remember that God's will for us is good and perfect and is well-pleasing. And that if we give our lives to him, he will take us somewhere amazing where he has a plan for us. Amen? Let's pray. And I'm going to have the worship team come back up to uh, close us in the last song. God, we love you, and we're so grateful, Lord, that you use us. Lord, in our minds, we feel so useless, and, and the, the idea that you, oh Lord, can use us to do your amazing work is, is mind-blowing to me, God. Father, forgive us for, for conforming to the world at times and to letting our our emotions and our flesh take back the control of our lives, Lord, and to, and to fall into sin and to do those things. Lord, we're so sorry. God, I pray that you'll forgive us for those things. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Cleanse us, I pray. Lord, help us to daily give our will, our, our bodies to you, Lord, for you to use. Lord, you've given us talents and gifts and and skills, Lord, for you, not for our own glory, but Lord, for your glory. So God, help us to use our lives for you, Lord, and for you to get the glory, and for you to get the honor, and for you to be blessed. Again, I thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. I pray that you would just help us, Lord, as we uh, sing one more song to you, to remember your goodness, to remember the power that's in your name, Lord, and to just lift you up, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.